Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. With, us. with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. Welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are doing Classical Studies 101. And uh, we're going to do the Odyssey, Chapter 15. So, as always, if you'd be so kind as to leave a nice rating or uh, a really wonderful comment on whatever podcasting platform you're using to listen to this, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us get the word out there. And, of course, we can't do our classical study without our classical scholar. So welcome, everyone, the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Hi. Good to be with you again. You can hear the loud applause from the crowd. All right, so, Gary, we are doing Chapter 15 of the Odyssey. Um, why don't you recap a bit of what we were, what we covered in Chapter 14 and then tell us a little bit about Chapter 15. Well, chapter 14 was about uh, when Odysseus finally gets home to his home island of Ithaca. And um, he goes, um, you know, the, the goddess Athena disguises him as uh, as a beggar. And he goes to uh, see his, quote, swine herd, Eumaeus, or he's a pig farmer, you know, but loyal to Odysseus. And uh, so the chapter's about their uh, connection. And then uh, finally, you know, uh, he's going to leave uh, Eumaeus. Um, and then the uh, chapter 15, uh, you know, cuts to um, uh, the Peloponnesus and Sparta where... Uh, uh, Odysseus' son Telemachus is at the moment, at that moment. And so it begins uh, uh, with him. So now we are back. So Odysseus is back. We had the whole scene with the swineherd and everything. And now we're in Sparta, uh, which is interesting because we know who is in Sparta at this point. Famous characters are there. Well, Helen, of course, right? Yes, the uh, famous the, Helen of Troy. Famous Helen. The, but now the she's been um, a thousand ships. Now, now she's yes, and now she's been brought back to uh, Sparta uh, by her husband Menelaus, who could have killed her because she ran off with Prince Paris to Troy. You know, it started the Trojan War, according to Homer. Um, but he uh, he loved her and brought her back to. Uh, his uh, palace uh, at Sparta and uh, reinstated her as queen. You know, it, it shows humanity in, in, in the Odyssey, which I thought was great, which I think is great. Well, I mean, it's interesting. There's a couple of ways to look at that. I mean, well, first, there, there, are, there are different legends of what happens to Helen, right? So in this particular version, she goes back to Sparta. There's one that she goes to Egypt, I think, with Paris, and there's a, there's a few different 
yeah. stories of what happened. But this is uh, the Homer's version. Yeah, this is the Homer's version. But also, this in, at, at the same time, it's is it really charitable though, Gary? I mean, because this is a guy Menelaus who's not exactly gentle, and he wasn't exactly faithful to her. No. So it's kind of like you know, I think he goose do you know uh, good for the goose good for the gander kind of thing so i guess he's letting it slide in that sense and she is uh, according to myth and legend the most beautiful woman in the world so yeah he's welcoming her back so i don't want to let him off the hook too much but okay no. so we're in sparta and we've got um uh just his son is there so please take us along uh, as I keep saying, I'm using Robert Fagel's uh, translation of the Odyssey. It's very readable. And he has titles for each chapter. So the title for book 15 is The Prince Sets Sail for Home. And the prince is Telemachus, the son of Odysseus. And this is how the chapter starts out. This is a translation of uh, Homer. Now south through the spacious dancing rings of Lacedaemon. Lacedaemon or Lacedaemon is Sparta. Athena went to remind the hero's princely son of his journey home and spur him on his way. Now this is a goddess Athena. She's the patron goddess of Odysseus. And she's, uh, to remind people, she's the goddess of defensive war. Um, and she's usually... Uh, depicted wearing armor, wearing a helmet, carrying a, a shield and spear, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so... And, you, uh, and you, you've pointed out the defensive war aspect of her, too, uh, on many occasions. So yeah. it's really interesting for people to hear that and listen about that because she's defending the Homan as opposed to Mars, who is the, the aggression, right? The aggression. Well, uh, Mars is the Roman version of Ares. The Greek, or Ares, yes. Yeah, Ares so. is a... Greek god of war. So Ares and is the more aggressive. But he god he's he's is. Ares is a the god of uh, terrible war, and Athena is like right. the, the goddess of defensive war, defensive or, or war. Ju justifiable war, you might say. You know, it's yeah, it's good for people to hear that because it's uh, it just gives you the different the, the nuances that the Greeks had as their understanding of warfare and battle in that sense of humanity. Yeah. And so, um, so it says, uh, you know, she, she, she goes to find uh, Telemachus. And, and uh, so she goes to the, the palace there in Sparta, and she finds him there with um, Nestor's son that went on this journey with Telemachus. And for some reason, uh, they don't have bedrooms or they like bedding down their guests on their porches in these palaces because it keeps happening. Yeah, I wonder, maybe that was a great, you know, a sign of esteem for someone. Maybe, you know, we'd have to transport ourselves back, but maybe being able to sleep outside, maybe it was cooler, maybe it felt better. I don't know. It is interesting, right? Yeah, they keep, they keep uh, Homer keeps bringing that up. Uh, it, yeah. It's okay to sleep on a porch, you know. I, maybe that was the better, you know, the, the best room in the house or something. Who knows? I That's don't know. You think a palace would have nice bedrooms, but whatever. Right, right. But anyhow, um, you know, Homer says, better down on the porch uh, of illustrious Menelaus. Uh, 
Pisistratus, uh, and he's the son of uh, King Nestor, who went on the journey with Telemachus. So Pisistrata was overcome with deep, sound sleep, but not Telemachus. Welcome sleep could not hold him. All through the godsend night, he lay awake, tossing with anxious thoughts about his father. Hovering over him, eyes ablaze, Athena said, and so she's talking to him, you know. It's wrong, Telemachus, wrong to row so far, so long from home, leaving your own holdings unprotected. Crowds in your palace, and she means the suitors, are so brazen, they'll carve up all your wealth, devour it all, and then your journey home will come to nothing. So she's trying to justify his leaving at once for home. She says, quickly, press Menelaus, lord of the war cry, to speed you home at once. Mm-hmm. If, you will, if you want to find your irreproachable mother still inside your house, even now, her father and brothers, now this is uh, Penelope's father and brothers urged Penelope to marry Eurymachus. Eurymachus is one of the leading suitors. Uh, and Eurymachus excels all our suitors at giving gifts and driving the bright price higher. So in other words, he was the richest of the suitors. Now, that's interesting. I I don't remember a mention of Penelope's family before. Is this the no, first this, one? No, this first we... time uh, I think it's mentioned. Yeah, what do we, what do we know about her, Gary? What was what was Penelope's lineage? Do we know much about it? I mean, is she like? Do we know that she comes from like a royal? A yeah, she line yeah she does. Or, mm-hmm. And her uh, sister is the one that um, married Agamemnon. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so she does have an august lineage. Yeah, uh, that's right. We did mention that. Um, Okay, well, interesting. So there. So now he's got, as they say, another rooster out there to compete with. Yeah. Um, so okay. And um, and and then Athena goes on. You know, she must not carry anything off against your will. Uh, you know how the heart of a woman always works. Uh, and so on. So sail for home, I say. And then. Uh, she goes on, she says, and another thing, take it to heart, I tell you, picked men of the suitors lie in ambush, grim set in the straits between Ithaca and Rocky Same, poised to kill you before you can reach home. So in other words, the suitors sent a, a, a boat with assassins to kill Telemachus on his way home because he was ostensibly the next in line after Odysseus, you know, to be king of uh, Ithaca. And he says, and so, uh, you know, she goes on. Um, uh, the suitors will eat you out of house and home. I, I don't know if that's an accurate translation, but it's a common phrase, you know, eat you out of house and home, you know, referring to uh, people who stay on too long and mm-hmm. abuse uh, hospitality, you know. Uh, and then she says, just give the Channel Islands a wide berth. So he's, She's telling him to be careful as he sails home to avoid the, the uh, ambushing uh, suitors. Um, and uh, 
And then she says, but when you land on the island, basically, she says, at first landfall, um, make your way to your swine herd first. So she's telling them to go to Emmaus because she knows that's where Odysseus is. So then it goes on to say, you know, uh, mission accomplished, meaning, uh, you know, she's got him to want to go home right away. Got him on his, yeah, and fired him up. Fired him up and, and told him how to get home, be careful sailing home, and then go to to Eumaeus, the, the swine herder, pig farmer. Um, and so mission accomplished back, she went to Olympus's height as Telemachus woke. In other words, he woke up mm-hmm. and he woke uh, Nestor's son from his sweet sleep. And then he says, up uh, Pisistratus, hits the team to her, the, the chariot. Let's head for home at once. The Pisistratus objects and he says, no, Telemachus. Nestor's son objected. Much as as we long to go, we cannot drive a team in the dead of night. Morning will soon be here, so wait, I say. In other words, they're waiting until morning. Right, right. And then it says, at those words, dawn rose in her golden throne. Dawn was a goddess, you know, the goddess of the dawn, you know, the beginning of morning. And the co-host of our other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't bump. Okay. Um. And Menelaus, the lord of the war cry, was rising up from his bed by the side of Helen with her loose and lovely hair. And then he walked towards his guest. And Telemachus put his tunic on. He's probably nude. And, uh, and threw on a flaring cape. And the young prince, son of uh, King Odysseus, strode out to meet his host. And then he says, Menelaus, royal son of Atreus, captain of armies. Let me go back to my own country now. The heart inside me longs for home at last. So then the, uh, it says the Lord of War cry, meaning Menelaus, reassured the prince. I never detain you here too long, Telemachus. And then he goes on, you know, uh, and, uh, and he, he goes on to say, uh, uh, you know, welcome the stranger, but speed him as soon as he has the you know the mind to go. In other words, don't don't keep your guest too long, which is interesting. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, you know, when you were talking about having the guests there, I was thinking of the Ben Franklin quote. What did he say? Friends and fish are are best uh, go go foul after three days or something like that. I probably got the quote wrong, but in other words, don't over let your guests overstay. And I was wondering if the Greeks had a similar sensibility, and here we go. Yeah, so and they, they, okay. they did. You're welcome they, him, but, but, but as soon as you're ready to go, don't let me stop you, is kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, and um, so anyhow, and, and then uh, he directs uh, his people. He says, uh, you know, he tells his servant to tell the maids to serve a meal. So he's always, they always have to have a meal before they do anything, which is interesting in the Odyssey. And he says, you have to dine in style first and then leave us to see the world. How about that dine in style? 
Yeah, and I wonder if that's there's there's some spiritual significance to the meal, you know, that we we certainly have in our culture from our from the sort of Christian context. Um, so I wonder for the Greeks what that was too. So anyway, he's going to dine in style and send him off. Certainly to give him something to fill his belly to carry him on his journey. That certainly makes sense. And then you know Telemachus tr tries to uh, you know not do it because he says. Uh, Menelaus, royal Atreides, captain of armies, I must go back to my home at once. But then uh, it says, as soon as uh, Menelaus heard that, he told his wife and serving women to lay out a meal in the hall at once. And so they uh, they go prepare a meal, you know, they build a fire, they, they broil meat, you know, <laughs> they do all this meal preparation stuff. So Telemachus has got to wait around for all that, you know. And then, um, and then he says uh, he wants to send him with gifts. And uh, so uh, Helen and the, another one of one of the uh, royal staff there, Megapenthes, uh, they they apparently go to the treasury and they get gifts to give to Telemachus to send them off. Mm -hmm. A two-handled cup and a mixing bowl and of silver and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, it says, Queenly Helen, radiance of women, lifted one from the lot, meaning the, the treasury. And also the loveliest robe, richly worked, and like a star it glistened. Then all three, she and the two servants, and three is a sacred number, you know, and I mentioned in my sacred symbolic number system. Yeah, we uh, actually re-presented uh, that, an encore presentation, we did that. So uh, for those listening, that those um, the discussion of the sacred symbolic number system is up for you again to listen to. And then she says, uh, Oh, my boy, may Zeus the thunder, a Hera's Lord, grant you a journey home as your heart desires. Uh of all the treasures lying heaped in my palace, you shall have the finest, most esteemed. Look, I'll give you a mixing bowl and with a lip of gold made by Hephaestus, you know, the, the god that makes things for the gods, uh, makes jewelry and objects and palaces and so on, and a two-eared cup and so on. Um, and then she it says, she laid the robe in his arms and he received it gladly. Um, and uh, it turns out it's a, a robe that Helen uh, wove, you know. They give him a golden pitcher and so on. Uh, so he gets these gifts. Um, how how big were the chariots these guys were riding in? They they you weren't know, that big. They, a... they weren't that big. I don't think. I mean, they're really a two man chariot. Um, and uh, they weren't as big as the Roman chariots, you know, like the ones you saw in Ben-Hur or something, you know. Because I was thinking, you know, how much could you carry if you're giving a guy a gift? He's trying to get home fast and you're giving yeah, him exactly. a Yeah, exactly. I don't think they were that big. So I, I think there's exaggeration and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so anyhow, you know, they, they get the gifts and they, they had the meal. Um 
and then Menelaus follows both both boys out, you know. They pour libations to the gods, uh, which which would be wine. They pour on the ground, verily, you know. And uh, and then uh, pledging both his guests, and he says, "Farewell, my princes. Give my warm greetings to Nestor, the great commander." And Nestor was the oldest uh, king that fought at Troy, you know. And then uh, Telemachus replies. Uh, Surely my royal host will will tell him all, you know, meaning Odysseus about how nice uh, Menelaus was to him, you know. As soon as we reach old Nestor, we'll tell him uh, basically as well. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I were just as sure I'd find Odysseus waiting there at home when I reach Ithaca. That's what Telemachus says, you know. Right. And then at his last words, a, bo- a bird flies past on the right and apparently when a bird flies past you and goes to the right it's a sign from heaven you know from the the gods you know so as he says he hopes that wishes odysseus would be there that's when the bird flies by yeah okay so and then a good sign. the bird uh, is an eagle and in his mouth he has a white goose and his i'm not in his mouth excuse me in his talons he has a he's carrying a white goose and then Helen interprets it, you know, mm-hmm. and she says, um, but long-robed Helen stepped in, listen to me, I will be your prophet. Sure as the gods have flashed it in my mind and it will come to pass, I know it well. Just as the eagle swooped down from the crags where it was born and bred and snatched that goose, fattened up to kill inside the house, just so, after so many trials and roving long and hard, Odysseus will descend on his house and take revenge on the whole crowd of suitors. And then it's she a pretty, says, "It's a pretty gruesome uh, image in my mind." Yeah, right? you know, the slaughter of the, uh, yeah. of the suitors and the goose. Yeah, the goose represents the suitors. Exactly. That that just to me the. Uh, the image of the eagle carrying that goose away, the helpless goose, but anyhow. Okay. And then it says, uh, uh, then Telemachus cracked his, the lash and the horses broke out quickly, careering through the city. Well, it wasn't a city, it was a town, out into the open country. And so in other words, they're, they're off to uh, Nestor's uh, palace at Pylos or Pylos. But... Um, Telemachus tries to get uh, Pisistratus to uh, drop him off at his boat first and, and not go to see Nestor and take the time to do that. So, uh, and uh, basically, uh, you know, he, mm-hmm. he, he drops uh, Telemachus off and then it says with that he whips his sleek horses back to Pilo City, or meaning town, and reached his house in no time. Telemachus then shouted commands to his shipmates. And he says, quote, store our gear, my comrades, deep in the holds and board at once. We must be on our way. And his, and his shipmates snapped to orders, swung aboard and sat to the oars and ranks and so on. And... Uh, so in other words, he's, he's uh, heading off. 
and um, and then um, you now it goes on with a lot of uh, basically filler stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it keeps it saying, seems like the last few, the last couple of chapters, it almost feels like he's just kind of filling out the story till we get to the big conclusion, you know, till we get to that. The, the climax where he's going to take on the suitors yeah. or, or he being Odysseus. So, so now we've got the sons who are rushing home, you know, he dro drops his buddy off, heads over to the ship, sets sail for back to the, uh, back to the kingdom. And then, you know, we're setting the stage for the big showdown. And, it, uh, and Homer says that uh, now bright eyed Athena sent, uh, them, meaning Telemachus and his crew, a stiff following wind. In other words, uh, she gives him a, a good wind to sail back to Ithaca. And then the chapter switches to um, Odysseus. And it goes back to Odysseus and uh, Eumaeus, you know, the pig farmer, the swine herd. And, uh, and then he says, listen, Eumaeus, at the crack of dawn, I mean to go to town, meaning his own town, and do my begging, meaning at the palace, you know. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I'd really like to go to the house of King Odysseus and give my news to the cautious queen Penelope. Why, did even mix with those overweening suitors. In other words, he would go among them and, you know, even though he, he knows they're, they're terrible. Mm -hmm. And then Eumaeus tries to dissuade him and says, God's sake, my friend, Loyal uh, Swineherd said, deeply troubled, what's gotten to your head? What crazy plan? You must be hell-bent on destruction. So he may have thinks that uh, the suitor's going to kill Odysseus, I think, you know? He says, no, stay here, you know? Uh, but, um, and then, and then, you know, more filler type thing, because Eumaeus goes into this story about how he was brought to uh, Ithaca by Phoenicians, and uh, and he was a slave. And then mm -hmm. uh, Odysseus Fire Laertes uh, purchases him and, and makes him a, a slave. You know, on, on, I guess on the island of uh, Ithaca. So it gives his backstory. Yeah, gives his backstory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to put it. Um. And that, you know, continues uh, with that. And uh, and then it goes back to Odysseus, you know, talking to uh, Eumaeus. And, uh, you know, he, Odysseus responds to the Eumaeus' uh, backstory. <clears throat> and he says, the royal king Odysseus answered warmly, Eumaeus, so much misery, you move my heart deeply with your long tail, such pain, such sorrow. But look, good fortune, uh, Zeus sends you now, and so on. Um, and then uh, it goes on to say, so guest and host, meaning Odysseus and Eumaeus, confided with each other through the night, and then they slept. That hour, Telemachus and shipmates raised the coast of home. In other words, they landed on Ithaca. And um, and then they they have another meal, right? <laughs> so 
Very cinematic. As they're falling asleep, the ship's arriving. You know, it's like you can kind of see it if it were film being edited, cut from scene to scene. There they are, you know, uh, talking, the, telling the backstory. Then they go to sleep. Then we cut to the ship along the coast, finally landing, the men jumping off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting how cinematic really Homer is. Yeah. But yes, of course, we get to a meal, as always. And um, so anyhow, um, it, um, it it ends with uh, King, you know, Telemachus, King Odysseus's son. The prince strode out briskly, legs speeding him on till he reached the farm. In other words, the farm of Eumaeus and the loyal swineherd, meaning Eumaeus, often slept beside them. Always the man to serve his masters well, and that's how the chapter ends. Well, and a little round of applause as we hear the chapter ends. Uh, how the chapter ends, I should say. And uh, we're setting the stage. So, as always, let's give uh, our thanks, uh, our, our applause to Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. It's always fun to hear it is. And thank you all for listening. I am Sean Mollenwickham. This is the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. We've been covering Classical Studies 101, the Odyssey, Chapter 15. Thank you all for listening, and God bless. Mm-hmm.